Hello, my name is Dr. Jim Doty, and I'm the host of the Into the Magic Shop podcast, where we explore the mysteries of the brain and the secrets of the heart. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Jim Doty. Today's guest on Into the Magic Shop podcast is Louis Gallardo, and I'm really excited to have him with us. He's the founder of the World Happiness Foundation, as well as the author of a book called Happy Tolism. I hope you enjoy our conversation today where we cover not only the topic of happiness, but compassion, self-compassion, and our shadow self and how we can take the knowledge of science combined with the wisdom of spirituality to create a better world for each and every one of us. I hope you enjoy today. Thanks for listening. Louis, it's great to uh, see you again, and uh, thanks for being on the podcast. It's great to have you. Um, for our listeners, uh, one of the things I like to do is to sort of uh, uh, talk with my guest about sort of the backstory about how they uh, got here today uh, and who they are today and uh, what's sort of behind that. Because, of course, all of us are manifestations of our backstory or uh, the baggage that we carry in some cases. I know you had sort of an eclectic academic career in different countries. Uh, and uh, that you were actually a fairly senior advertising executive. So maybe you can tell us a little about growing up, how you went on this path, and how uh, how you got to where you're at today. Okay, so thank you so much for this um, question, uh, James. As you know, you are a big hero of mine. I, I've been following you, uh, and I've been partnering with you in many different projects. Uh, one of them is the World Happiness Fest, and you're going to be here with us um, for the March uh, edition. Um, and that's very much related to who I am. Basically, I, I studied political science and sociology. And as part of that, my specialization was peace, peace studies. So I was one of the first students of the first MA focused on conflict resolution and peace studies at Richardson Institute. And I was 24. Uh, and right away, I became a diplomat uh, in post-armed conflicts, especially going to Bosnia and the former uh, Yugoslavia. Basically, my job was to become an international observer and um, bring in democracy. So something that I was exposed very early to was to the drama of, of war and how the combination of hate and fear can create in the wrong hands, uh, so much um, unfairness and so much suffering for so many people. So, but something, you know, I felt that be, being a, diplo a diplomat or willing to become a diplomat, I felt that I needed more empowerment. I am from Spain and I, Spain wasn't playing a really big role in the global space of uh, foreign affairs. So at some point, at the same time, I've always, I've been always curious and I study uh, marketing. So I had an opportunity to move into the corporate world and suddenly I became, well, suddenly in a few years, I became the global chief marketing officer of Deloitte, which is a big one of the top consulting firms. Uh, today, more than 500,000 people. Yeah. And there for 11 years, I was able to build a community a sense of community and sense of belonging and a sense of satisfaction and happiness for customers and for employees. So at some point there, it was when something came to mind, I said, okay, what about, what is the role of leaders in changing consciousness around the world and how we do this in a macro, at a macro level? And that's why, that's how I came out with this concept that is called happy dualism. So, you know, capital is capitalism. It's basically a new paradigm for human progress. Uh, I was at the World Economic Forum many years, and you know the framework there is about economic growth. And in my mind was like, wow, what about if we create a new framework that is not about economic growth, that is actually about happiness, very much influenced by the Dalai Lama and all your work and everything that is coming from the 
a contemplative space is like if the ultimate goal of all beings is that state of fundamental peace, is a state of happiness, how do we create a system? How do we achieve that state? And that's how I came up with capitalism. And then from there, International Day of Happiness, which is now forever, uh, uh, signed by 194 countries of the United Nations, many different programs around the world, and now fully focused full time from the foundation, the World Happiness Foundation, on bringing happiness and well-being at the school system, uh, corporate and city level. So that's kind of my journey. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, for our listeners, uh, um, sometimes it's important that we uh, give definitions to things because I think a lot of people, especially when people use the term happiness, you know, if we look at Western capitalist society, happiness has been defined, uh, unfortunately, as um, obtaining uh, position, power, wealth, and somehow uh, that's quote-unquote success will therefore make you happy. And I think uh, people realize that's a false narrative. So when you use the term happiness or happy, what do you mean exactly? Yes, this is a great question because we uh, frame happiness as part of what we call fundamental peace. And fundamental peace is an evolution from positive peace. So let's say that we have three definitions of peace. One is the absence of violence that can be a peaceful state. An evolution is positive peace, which is having the conditions to achieve peace. Fundamental peace is actually working on the conditions internally at the inner peace level. Uh, and that's why we actually have a program now called Gross Global Happiness at the United Nations University for Peace, where we combine peace and happiness at the fundamental level. But I want to frame happiness and the definition in the space of peace, because uh, I agree with you, in, especially in, in cap capitalist and materialistic societies, for some people, you achieve a higher state of happiness when you have more. So. Happiness is related to having. It's about having fame, having power, having success related to money and capital can be related to happiness. So happiness is outside us. It is like something that we own, uh, but it's outside. The definition of happiness for us is really inside. It's an inside job. We can achieve happiness by connecting to the self-core by connecting to our being, by connecting to our light, um, is not expensive. It doesn't cost you anything because it's in you. And this is very much related to contemplative practices and very much related to the concept of positive psychology and happiness, which is the combination in this case of purpose, having meaning in life, having a, an understanding your emotions and actually putting that to the service of society. So this is a much more evolved definition of happiness. Everybody has their own definition. Well, but what we want here is to be inclusive of all definitions. We chose happiness because it's a universal word that works in every language. There's a happy birthday in every language every day. And that way we really tap into the concept of happiness. But then there is so rich, there is so much behind. Um, that uh, just the exercise of defining it and asking people to define it is the beginning of mindfulness, is the beginning of, of awareness. So that's a, a great question. Thank you for asking. Sure, sure. Uh, so <clears throat> it's interesting uh, because you emphasize something that uh, I think uh, um, really important, and that's this idea of um, the reality of inner peace or inner happiness. Uh, and I think that's one of the problems in certainly modern day society is so many people look outside of themselves for affirmation, believing external affirmation will make them happy. Maybe you can comment on a somewhat deeper level this uh, reality of um, 
external versus internal uh, happiness. And also uh, the connection which you've alluded to, which of course, peace and happiness. But I think the other is compassion and compassion for self and others. Absolutely. And we know that probably the first step getting into to get into higher states of fundamental peace of happiness is compassion. So you know that you are the, I mean, we learn from you. And actually self-compassion, compassion for self is really, really the beginning. So when we do the training and workshops, it, this is something I always say, if we have to start with something in order to achieve a higher state of uh, happiness, we have to start with self-compassion. That's the beginning. And that's very much linked to forgiveness, and that's very much linked to gratitude. So I think gratitude, forgiveness, kindness, compassion are all in the same space in order to give us the opportunity to elevate our game when we want to be balanced in calm and we want to be of service. So this is so important. That's what we say it's inside us because uh, something important in the happiness science is that we differentiate between happiness and the activators of happiness. So something that can activate uh, the state of happiness can be a high, can be a thought, it can be walking in nature, it can be eating chocolate, because happiness has a very important biological component. There is a chemistry of happiness, and we can activate that chemistry through activators. So I think that as part of the board of the whole World Happiness Foundation, we have Loretta Bronin, uh, and we work a lot with Helen Fisher, and those are two people that really did research on the chemistry. And this is something that we have to take into account because chemistry and the chemistry of our brain is critical into achieving that, those highest states of happiness and well-being. And that's why it's very difficult for some people and it's not that difficult for other people. Uh, so this is important because that chemistry is in us again. So this is a this is the journey of self-regulation. This is the journey of self-awareness. This is the journey of um, understanding. Well, we talk about mindfulness and we talk about consciousness at three levels. To know what things are happening, what, what is going on, why things are happening, and what for. And the what for is the transcendence part. That's the more spiritual part. That's the part that I think you and I love a lot. It's like, how do we connect this to our source, to our self-core, which is connected to a higher, higher source? So yes, the internal and external, which is the question, is critical. Because the moment you realize that it's in us, then it's all the inner work that we have to do. I, James, I was so surprised when, and actually that's why we did it, at the United Nations level, when you talk about peace, it's all about transactions. It's all about, I give you this, you give me that. It's a tick for tap. It is international law. It's about, that's why we have these conflicts all over the world, because it's all about national identities willing to get something from each other. The reality is that we were the first ones to create a program focused on inner peace. And we link now anxiety to climate change. I was at COP28 a few weeks ago. I, won I was one of the few who was linking anxiety with climate change. And I was telling everybody, what is the root cause of climate, of climate crisis? Well, it's human anxiety. If we were relaxed and in peace, we wouldn't have all these many issues that we have in the world. No, I, I think you're exactly right. I, I, uh, we did an event associated with COP26 called Realizing a Compassionate Planet. And uh, we actually had a whole session on um, the existential anxiety of climate change that's affecting so many people, especially uh, young people, because uh, with that, of course, is this reality that potentially, unless this is addressed, uh, there is no future, or it's going to be a future that none of us want. 
And uh, then you combine this with various and sundry conflicts around the world, which create anxiety as well. And then you link this with some of the political narratives that promote divisiveness. And also uh, the reality that for many people, they will not have uh, the same lives uh, as their parents had. And that's not meant in a positive way. It is meant in a negative way in the sense that they won't be able to achieve uh, the same. So um, I think that's exactly right. One of the things you mentioned was um, this inner uh, awareness and understanding. And I think what a lot of people don't appreciate is that all of us have baggage associated uh, especially early on with our lives, and they don't understand that the baggage they carry on an unconscious level actually has a profound impact on all of their actions. And whether those are interactions uh, with friends or family uh, or the choices they make in terms of spouses or jobs, that... um, this baggage uh, can very, very negatively influence your life. And you don't understand why that is happening because you've never taken an inner journey to understand what your drivers uh, are. And I think that's uh, an important aspect. Uh, You mentioned Helen Fisher, and uh, probably most of our listeners may not know who she is, uh, I actually I had the pleasure of uh, being on a program with Helen, and uh, if I recall correctly, she's a is it a biological anthropologist is what she calls herself, and she also has been working with uh, what is the um, dating app for a long time. Do you, do you know what that one is? Match 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 dot com. Yes, yes, yes. So she's uh, um, collected an immense amount of data. But maybe you could uh, comment on sort of what you've learned from her, because it sounds like you've spent some time uh, with her. Yes, and, and that was a, this is a really nice story because she's behind the algorithm used by the dating app, and that was one of the first apps. Uh, what we did at Deloitte, and I was at that moment the, the global chief marketing officer, is that we actually we acquire her IP and we use her algorithm for the chemistry of business because what she had is the chemistry of love. And what we thought is that, well, can we apply this to business? Imagine that you and I know what is our profiling because something she did was to create profiles depending on your behavior related to your chemistry. So basically the whole profiling of personalities was really interesting. So what we did was to apply that profiling and we trained thousands and thousands of people in order to understand who they were and who the person in front of them was, depending to those personalities, because we all are different from a personality level. So, but that's that's all based on the science of chemi- and the chemistry of the brain. This is so remarkable. So, this is what we do as well at the World Happiness Foundation. We apply science, as you do with compassion, to training. And there are so many amazing people out there doing a lot of research. And when you apply that with the purpose of more happiness and less suffering, is magic. Is magic. So then you can tap into Helen, into Loretta, into uh, into yourself, into Dachon Kellner, into so many other people that are doing incredible work. And then something that I love and you love as well, James, is to tap into the spiritual leaders. So they, because there we have the science, but then we have the wisdom. So for example, now we work. I personally work with the uh, with the Rinpoche, the new Rinpoche, 10 years old. He was born in the royal family of uh, Bhutan. He's the son of the princess, but he's the the reincarnation of Varajana Rinpoche. 
which was a uni unifier of all the Himalayan culture. And now with 10 years old, he realized that he's gonna be the new unifier of the Himalayan culture. And that means China, India, that means Bhutan, that means uh, Pakistan, and that means Nepal, imagine. That we are talking about half of the world influenced by the Himalayas. And he gave his first teaching in Vietnam a few months ago, and his first teaching was the stages of anger and how to manage anger in five steps. Oh my goodness, imagine, I mean, having this connection between the wisdom of spirituality with the science and then applying this into daily life, bringing this to schools, bringing this to a business, bringing this to cities. So this is a very powerful and we have to thank a lot of this to Helen Fisher. She's a pioneer in the biological space. Uh, so is that, uh, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Jigme uh, Wanchuk, the, the king of Bhutan? Yes. Ah, oh, uh, you know, go ahead. Well, no, well, Jigme Wanchuk was the prime minister uh, of Bhutan. Uh, and he's the one that actually brought brought national happiness to the international arena. Right. Uh, yeah, we are talking now about the princess, which is the daughter of the of Queen Mother, Queen Mother, um, who is married to the fourth king of Bhutan. Okay, I think I understand because I was with uh, the king of Bhutan uh, several weeks ago, actually, and uh, we were talking about um, actually uh, a more formal integration of compassion into the concept of uh, happiness. So uh, uh, we had a very good conversation. In fact, I'm supposed to visit there, but uh, uh, I was in India several weeks ago, but unfortunately did not have the time to head up to uh, uh, Bhutan. It's important to understand how many of these wisdom traditions uh, that are associated, of course, with spirituality actually, um, through science, now are... Uh, uh, more understood as to the physiologic basis of many of these practices that have been learned experientially over uh, not only many centuries, but even thousands uh, of years. Absolutely. And, and we are organizing the first symposium on education and gross national happiness in Bhutan in June. Oh, really? Yes, so, so I mean, I will send you all the information, but just for the for the listeners, this is an invitation because what we are doing is combining all the wisdom that we've been learning from positive psychology, from researchers amazing like Richie Davison and yourself, and bringing this into the curriculum for um, what we call schools of happiness. Um, but it could be a school of compassion, it could be a school of gratitude. I mean, that's a matter because in the end, everything is interconnected. But in June, this is the first symposium focused on GNH and education. And it's going to be at the University of Paro uh, in Bhutan. And uh, we are co hosting this from the World Happiness Foundation. It's going to be uh, an amazing symposium. So, is the country co sponsoring this as well? Yes. Oh, really? I should uh, uh, reach out to them or, like I said, I I'd be happy to attend or participate. Uh, because, be I Yeah, no, that would be wonderful. I was actually, you mentioned Richie. I was just with uh, Richie Davidson two weeks ago. Uh, we were at a retreat together uh, with uh, Dan Siegel, and it was one that um, uh, Krista Tippett of On Being, do you know Krista? Uh, oh, yeah, amazing. Yeah, so she uh, uh, had uh, a retreat, uh, and it was quite wonderful. In fact, uh, um, <clears throat> getting back in some ways to happiness or lack thereof, the Surgeon General was there. And, of course, uh, this issue of loneliness <clears throat> as well as uh, stress, anxiety, uh, depression, um, which results, unfortunately, uh, living in this modern world. And, uh, uh, you know, I think all of us are trying to figure out ways in which we can 
help alleviate that suffering. Um, and uh, so I, I think that's certainly something uh, I'm interested in, I know you are, and I think we're all sort of working together to figure out what are the tools uh, or how to educate people uh, to understand how they can alleviate their own suffering because, um, unfortunately, I think oftentimes events occur, uh, but it's not so much the event, it's the emotional tag that you connect to the event, and then that gets embedded. Uh, and every time you think of that event, it activates uh, uh, your physiology in a negative way. And you mentioned forgiveness, uh, which, uh, <clears throat> again, I think is very, very uh, important because unfortunately, until you forgive, you carry that baggage, which is an emotional um, uh, aggravator, if you will, uh, from thinking of these uh, negative experiences. But again, as I said, the reality is experiences are neither good or bad. They're only good or bad if you attach good and bad to them. I mean, of course, I mean, you, you know this, and we follow your, your wisdom here. It's interesting because a lot of the research that we've done on forgiveness, uh, and we have this system, we call this the MetaPets. So they are actually cards uh, with 64 new animals created by the combination of three animals each. So we combine 192 animals from all the kingdom, uh, animal kingdom, uh, and each of them combines one shadow that we can have, one gift, and one essence. So there is a mantra for each of them. Basically, is from shadow to essence, I use the gift uh, of. So that's the mantra. So for forgiveness, there is a mantra. is moving from intolerance to forgiveness, we use the gift of understanding. So it's super powerful because when we do the research, we we see that one key to forgive is to understand. The moment we understand, that's the beginning to unlock the essence of forgiveness. Because forgiveness is an essence, is in us, is a natural, is a natural ingredient. But we can get to it if we understand. That's why what we do and you, what you do with creating awareness and bringing all this potential understanding to people is so important because that's the key. That's the key to forgiveness. Then, of course, there are many other ways, but there is, if there is one uh, first step to forgive is to understand. Uh, no, that's uh, 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 that's very powerful. You mentioned was it 164. Uh, animals or 192? 192. Yeah. Uh, so how does uh, someone get access to that? Is that on your website or? Uh... Yeah, I can send you the link is the Meta Pets. The, we, we call Meta Beyond Beyond Pets. But actually, this is um, the same way that we work with Ellen Fisher for that project. Here we work with Richard Rudd. And Richard Rudd is the founder of the Jinkies is a whole system, a mystical system. But we work with clinical psychologists uh, focused on self-deconstruction. So the way that we use this tool is to help people to deconstruct themselves into parts. And then when you see the parts, you can have a dialogue with your parts. So imagine that intolerance talks to forgiveness. And you talk through understanding. The dialogue that happens there when it's in you is super powerful. So this is built on techniques of self-deconstruction, contemplative techniques, and neuro-linguistic programming. So we are combining there many different techniques. And actually what we came out with is this amazing 64 uh, metapets, and they are cards that we are now using for with coaching, uh, with, um, with kids in the schools, and uh, they can be found uh, on Amazon. They are called Meta Pets, but I will send you the link so you we can share with the with the listeners. Yeah, no, that would that would be fantastic. <clears throat> it's interesting. You were mentioned forgiveness and gratitude. Um, I don't know if you recall. Um, 
I wrote this book into the magic shop, but uh, at the end of it, uh, I ended up uh, with a story of how I was asked to speak to the incoming medical students. And uh, of course, medical students often are quite stressed and they have to learn a lot of mnemonics to maintain or uh, uh, have access to information. And uh, uh, I was, and this was, I was asked to speak at something called the white coat ceremony, which is in, uh, which is when medical students uh, attend an event uh, the weekend before medical school, and they're given a white coat. They take the oath of Hippocrates, and then there is a uh, typically a speaker who represents the highest ideals of medicine, or at least that's what I'm saying today. Uh, and uh, so I gave this talk, but what I wanted to give them was something to uh, center themselves, not only as physicians, uh, but, but as human beings. <clears throat> and I ended up coming up with 10 letters of the alphabet, which... Um, in some ways, uh, align very much, I think, with what we're talking about. And the first is C, uh, which is compassion for self and others. D, recognizing the dig dignity of every person. E, practicing equanimity. F, practicing forgiveness. G, having gratitude. I, having integrity or values that bound your behavior. Um, <clears throat> H, I. J is justice or our responsibility for those who are vulnerable. K is kindness, which you mentioned, but all of this is contained by love. And I think uh, uh, that sort of, for me, puts it all uh, together. Beautiful, beautiful. I mean, just with the, those 10 letters, imagine that we could apply them that people's behavior were based on them. I mean, what a world we, we, we live in. I mean, it would be amazing. It would be just the world we want to live in. No, exactly. It's interesting. You mentioned Dacker Keltner, who's also a, a good friend of mine. And we did a podcast uh, a, a while back. But, you know, he has this new book called Awe. And, uh, and then there's an interesting fellow named, have you met Jack Abbott? A B D O T T, on joy, made for joy. Yes. So, uh, uh, both of those are friends, and uh, uh, <clears throat> and so many people come to me and say, "What's your spiritual practice?" And I sit there and I say, "Well, I sit by my bed in the morning. I do a breathing exercise. I think of awe of being in this world. I think of the joy of being in this world, and then I go through those ten letters uh, of the alphabet, and." Uh, uh, and at least for me, that's very powerful. It centers my day, and uh, hopefully, it, it gives me a uh, positive outlook. Well, I'm amazing. We have to teach that technique uh, because all <clears throat> joy, and then you go through through a whole ritual. That's yeah. amazing. Do you, do you know somebody? I, I mean, I'm sure you know Ellen Langer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So her new book, the the mindful body, is just as powerful. Because what she's saying is exactly what you're saying. is the power of the thoughts. is the power of the placebo. The placebo is our, is our is thoughts in action. So that's how we can create a new health system based on healthy thoughts. And I think your practice, what you are outlining, is, is definitely that. It's the beginning of that. Well, you know, an interesting uh, side story, which I, I, I don't want to take up your time on this podcast, but an interesting side story that some of our listeners may be interested in is after the book was published, I received an email from a woman who said, I'm the uh, spiritual director of the largest homeless shelter in the United States. And she said, I'm a person of faith, and I had become burned out uh, in my work and I had uh, resigned from my job. Uh, my friends had sent me all sorts of scripture that had no impact. On my last day when I was packing my boxes, uh, someone shared with me this alphabet of the heart and your book. And she said, uh, uh, I read that and it was so powerful, it gave me <clears throat> uh, the strength to return to work, which was you know, quite amazing and, and very moving to me. And then a few months later, she sent me another email, and she said, 
you know, I shared your story with my best friend, and she has a daughter named Ginny, and I think Ginny was maybe 10 or 11 at the time. And she said, Ginny makes beads. And on her own, Ginny made a set of 10 wooden beads, uh, and she added a golden bead to represent the golden rule. And she said to me, would you mind if we sold those as a fundraiser for the, uh, the um, homeless shelter and our peace center? Uh, and I said, of course, uh, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and then what happened is she sent me another email. You know, by this time, she's sort of a stalker, right? So she sent me another email and she said, you know, this so moved me. I made a video of Ginny uh, stringing these beads on a golden cloth, and I'd like to share it with you and ask you if I could post it. So, in fact, she did. And uh, if any of our listeners are interested, if you uh, go to YouTube and search Compassion Bead San Antonio, you'll find this. But uh, what's interesting about that is uh, uh, then a young lady approached me who uh, was a high school student and working on mental health, and her parents are computer scientists. And she said, well, uh, I would like to make a, uh, a, an app based on the alphabet of the heart. <laughs> so, <laughs> so these things actually uh, uh, manifested. But uh, based on what we're talking about, it might be interesting to uh, give these beads away or share them with people, especially children. So, yeah, we love to. Um, we've been training more than 25,000 teachers in Latin America. Uh, and basically, we do three levels one is connection to self, the second one is connection to community, and the third one is connection to the planet. So, at those three levels, then we bring tools and we bring as many materials as we can. So actually bringing your bits would be amazing. Uh, we are now working now with the Secretary of Education in Querétaro, Mexico, and the goal is to train 40,000 teachers uh, into the system. Uh, we call this, I mean, all is based in, in my book, Capitalism. Uh, I just got the 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 first copy in English. Oh yeah, show it show it up a little closer there. Yeah, I, I want to see it. Bring it up uh, a little. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, so well, we'll put that uh, we'll put that on the 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 podcast uh, website uh, as well. Yeah, but you know, James, this is very much inspired on your work in so many ways um, because the book is a new paradigm uh, for what we call a new system for a world of happiness. Uh, but it's based on fundamentals that are in us and the fundamentals that connect us in communities. So when Vivek Murphy talks about loneliness, we all know that loneliness needs belonging. So the recipe, I mean, the antidote to loneliness is belonging. Uh, so, okay. How do we create belonging? That's part of the capitalism system because we need to connect to ourselves and then we have to expand this into the community. Something that we know as well is that collective trauma, and this is what the world is going through because of COVID, because of all this exposure to so many negative news, because all this trauma that we are coming and we are bringing from our ancestors and our lineage and all this intergenerational trauma requires collective healing, requires, sorry, collective trauma requires collective, collective healing. healing. Yes. Um, so this, this is very important. This sounds like Gabor Mate. Yes, Gabor Mate, I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're, we're, we're talking about all of our friends here uh, uh, in this. You know, it's funny, I, I go to different events, and I'm sure you do too, and you know, there's always like this core of like three or four hundred people who you know from your travels around the world interacting uh, uh, with these folks. So uh, uh, that's wonderful. Yeah. But I, I think you're absolutely correct. But it's so important to get all these community interconnected because the moment that is one message, one message, one message, we know action and no collective action, then we have an issue. That's why, and we learned this when you go to the Amazonia and you go with the indigenous people of the Amazonia. It's all about the connection to the plants. 
So the yes. connection, the first connection is nature, is the plant. The second connection is to the universe. And then you do that through your community and through you. But those four elements are interconnected. And if this is, a, if our goal is to create a world with more happiness and less suffering, we have to understand those interconnections. And Gabor Mate is an expert on going into a trauma, a unlocking that, going back to childhood. But then in compassion work, we all understand the world with the inner child from a compassionate perspective. So inner child. But then you go to transcend, um, transpersonal psychology, and there you have as well the voice of the inner child together with the voice of the father or the adult. So it's so interesting to go and explore all these amazing practices worldwide and somehow we need to start bringing them, once we know the work, bringing them into practice because we have to move from our mind to our heart by embodying, the embodiment part. And this is what we try to do at the World Happiness Foundation, the festivals and the training, is people to embody what they believe. No, absolutely. Uh, are you familiar with uh, um, Stephen uh, uh, Barry Kaufman? He wrote a book on uh, Transcendence, the New Science of Self-Actualization. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, I think it, uh, uh, you would enjoy that. And as another pitch, he was recently on our podcast. <laughs> so, oh my you know, goodness! You're you know, bringing all these amazing people. I'm I'm honored that I can be here with all your yes. friends. Yes. <laughs> oh well, you're you're very sweet, but uh, 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 that's very kind of you. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, oh, you mentioned uh, <clears throat> sort of your shadow self, uh, which I think. Uh, uh, many people don't appreciate or understand how important it is to recognize this. And of course, this is based on the language of uh, uh, Carl Jung. Uh, but what I think the problem is for so many people is, you know, the shadow self is that part of you that you don't like that... Uh, is associated with you doing things that you're ashamed of, uh, acting in a manner uh, which uh, uh, was not your best self, and you know, uh, you you don't want that to be part of you. You know, we create a narrative of who we are, which um, emphasizes our best selves <laughs> and tries to uh, minima minimize those parts of us we don't like. But that shadow self is always there. We know it's there. And many people try to push it away uh, to act like it's not part of them. And the problem with that is, of course, that when they do that, uh, in situations where they're either uh, exhausted, weak, or uh, those times when you're particularly vulnerable, unfortunately, that shadow self comes out and for many people, le uh, leads to a variety of different negative, addictive type of uh, behaviors that ultimately hurt them. And part of it is because they push it away from themselves. And I think that the understanding of this and accepting the fact that your shadow is actually part of you, you're, you cannot separate it from you, you cannot push it away, you cannot hide it, uh, you have to make friends with it. You have to accept it. And part of that acceptance is also forgiving yourself, accepting yourself. And in the face of all the negative narratives that you create, uh, realize that regardless, you're still worthy of love. And I think that's um, really a, a huge... Uh, aspect of how we get happy i couldn't agree more i think this shadow work is magnificent what carl Jung brought to the world with that thinking is huge i think that that can be complemented with inner parts inner work 
uh, when you were with parts because you realize that I mean I I'm a mental health coach uh, so I don't get into uh, clinical conditions but I get into performance and I've been working with so many people in the high performance space when you do this exercise of who is talking just asking and then you bring that part in front of you and you see that part and then you say thank you and then you give space for another part to come and you listen and then you give space for another part to come so amazing just by doing this in 60 minutes how you can transform somebody's life because they realize that they are not only one part that there are multiple inner conversations and they are coming from different parts of us and when you see them or you listen to them or you feel them and you can use this VAK model uh, that you come from NLP that change completely the dynamic so you combine that with shadow work is huge because then you can divide shadows into parts and then you can divide uh, essence and inner core uh, and you can understand that to get to that self core that is completely peaceful uh, and this is amazing when, when, when you do the training because in just a few hours you change the dynamic i remember this school in mexico it was um well there is a system in mexico where they combine special needs kids with normal kids i mean with non-special needs uh in the classroom so this teacher brought us uh, into the classroom and there were five kids with special needs and 20 with no special needs and we did this exercise of playing with animals and combining them i'm talking about parts one of the kids never spoke in that classroom for six months and when he got into he came to the classroom basically or he said the only thing he said is i am sad and angry that's it and he sit there death suddenly we start bringing these animals conversation all these kids play with the animals and then suddenly they were in another world they were in the animal kingdom and they realized that actually in one animal there were more than one it's like how is possible that you can combine the butterfly with the lion and then they start making up all these stories of animals coming and so suddenly this kid say oh but this is easy my best animals are all white and it's the seal and it's the world uh, is the whale and suddenly he starts talking about white animals and and then he gets so excited and then he changed completely his mindset and he and this was the first time that he spoke in front of his classmates for six months. Wow. Uh, I mean, that's an incredibly moving and, and extraordinarily uh, powerful story. But it does show you how looking at things through sort of a different lens or a, a, a innovative lens instead of just sort of accepting things uh, how they are. And I have to assume that the very nature of that process, number one, brings these kids together, but also number two, helps them understand, one, that we're all suffering in some way, and two, uh, to be self-compassionate, and three, to be compassionate towards others who oftentimes you dismiss or disregard that they're suffering and think uh, that the, they're acting a certain way and uh, as a result, you're negative to them. And I think changing a child's uh, lens through which they see the world uh, is uh, extraordinarily uh, powerful. It's interesting, I gave a talk recently in, um, um, where was it? In Gouda in the Netherlands. <laughs> and uh, at a school for neurodiverse children. But uh, um, we were talking about some of these things, and I guess typically they give someone uh, a gift uh, to who speaks there. But what they ended up doing, which was based on our conversation, was <clears throat> they created a bench 
uh, and uh, that was painted in a bright color, which is for kids who uh, need somebody to talk to them, be with them. So a kid just sits there, and then these kids go up and offer support to them, which I think that type of an attitude where, one, you inculcate this philosophy and idea to children, then they will spontaneously do the right thing, which is to reach out to another child who may feel lonely, angry, or sad, as you indicated. That's that's so beautiful. It's amazing. Uh, how we, when we unlock the creativity and the intuition from these kids, everything really, really changes. Um, and in order to do that, we have to train the teachers. We have to really give it, give the tools to the teachers for that for that change. Uh, so that's that's very important because sometimes we forget that. The kids are completely fine unless they are going through trauma created normally by others. So then what we need is to train the teachers and to train the community system in order to help uh, the system to change. So that's very, very important. And, and that's our focus as well. Well, I think, unfortunately, the sad thing in the United States, uh, and it may be elsewhere in the world, is that we don't honor our teachers uh, because they're caring for our most important research, resource. And as a result, uh, oftentimes they're underpaid and overworked, yet they're in charge of uh, the future in many ways. I think we covered a lot of great topics and, uh, um, and I really appreciate your time and I look forward to the opportunity of uh, continuing our work together, and I really appreciate your kind words. So thanks for being with us today, and thank you for your wisdom and insights. Well, thank you so much, and I will, I love it. Thank you so much for what you do, and I will reach out now for your interview for the World Happiness Festival. Perfect, perfect. Uh, take care, and uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll continue to be in touch. Yes, thank you so much. Again, thank you for being with us today. The Into the Magic Shop podcast can be found where you find your most popular podcasts, or you can find us at intothemagicshop.com. <laughs>